The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Bill Gates. How he's thinking about the Reddit rebellion and the regulators' role in it. We don't think of the stock market as just performing a casino-like role. We have, you know, restrictions on gambling activities. This is reminds us of the 1930s to some degree. And is one of the world's richest people riding Bitcoin's wild roller coaster? I don't own Bitcoin. I'm not short Bitcoin, you know, so I've taken a neutral view. I do think moving money into a more digital form and getting transaction costs down, that's something the Gates Foundation does in developing countries. Plus, how to avoid a climate disaster. Strategies from Gates's new book on green policy and publicity. Having enlightened companies create markets for some of the earlier stage green products like green steel or green cement, that will be super important. That's all ahead in Andrew Ross Sorkin's extended interview with Bill Gates, from vaccinations and climate initiatives to Donald Trump's social media presence, or lack thereof. I'll bet they'll find a way to let him back on. You know, his stuff may be labeled as false in a lot of cases. You know, in a way, his people's interest in what he says may go down quite a bit. It's Thursday, February 18th, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Hey, Bill, can you hear me? And today we're bringing you Andrew Ross Sorkin's conversation with Bill Gates. Hi, how are you doing? The Microsoft co-founder and co-chair of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is out with a new book this week, How to Avoid a Climate Disaster, warns that the economic damage caused by climate change will likely be as bad as having a COVID-sized pandemic every decade. Let that sink in. We spoke to Gates about climate change's impact on business, the wild weather in Texas, Bitcoin and the Reddit rebellion, and much more. Andrew. Guys in the control room, should we just start? We'll take it away. It's great to have you on the program again. Um, This is an extraordinary book, and I want to start here. I want to start in 2006, because you talk in the book about having an almost eureka-like moment in terms of a realization. Um, And I think that there's still some people in this country that haven't had that realization. I wanted to understand what brought you to this place. Well, in the year 2000, uh, you know, I funded the Gates Foundation and started traveling to Africa and seeing not only the lack of electricity, but how the weather is getting tougher for the farmers there. And that led me to learn about climate. You know, I hadn't 
spent time on it, but I was kind of horrified to learn that, you know, over time it's just going to get worse and worse. And the sources of emissions are are very, very broad. And so that, you know, brought me in to think about it and actually do a, a TED Talk uh, in 2010, five years before I did the uh, pandemic talk. Um, in the book, you warn that the economic damage caused by climate change will likely be as bad as having a COVID-sized pandemic every decade. What do you think the role of business should be in solving this? Well, business, you know, businesses are paid to think ahead. And, uh, you know, they consumers will be looking at the carbon footprint of the companies they buy from. Uh, they will be looking for business to be part of the dialogue about uh, shifting these systems around. And so climate climate is big. Uh, the younger generation, I think uh, their energy is already very high, but I see that going up uh, even in a bipartisan way. And so measuring uh, the footprint, being open about that, uh, and being willing to devote resources uh, to getting those numbers down over time, I think no matter what business you're in, that that uh, will deserve a, a lot of attention. But can the problem be solved if big businesses and Microsoft and Apple and Google and others have, have announced very ambitious plans, but they're all idiosyncratic. I mean, they're doing it on their own. Can it work well, if everybody's doing it on their own? Or does it effectively require regulation and laws? Over time, you'll, you'll have uh, regulations that will drive the market uh, for green products. But even before it gets to the stage of having those regulations, having enlightened companies create markets for some of the uh, earlier stage green products like green steel or green cement, that will be super important. Having the, the tech companies figure out how to run their data centers 24 hours a day without using ever using any coal-based generation, uh, that will drive the market uh, for storage products. And so we've got to have the innovation. Uh, you know, that's the first thing. That's more R&D money, uh, more venture capital, more smart people doing those innovations. But even once you do the innovation, you need the market to start buying you know, just like Japan and Germany bought solar panels early on, paid a very high price, that created the learning curve that was catalytic. It got uh, that extra cost, what I call the green premium, to come down. And we need the tech companies, the finance companies, to be early customers of green products. Uh, and then uh, when the premium comes down, the, the government will come in and uh, drive an even broader adoption. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, though, because so many of the big companies that have announced these ambitious plans are very profitable, cash-rich companies. And obviously, as you go down the chain, uh, there are going to be smaller businesses that, frankly, just can't afford to do this. So who should pay for it? Well, some of the early uh, low-volume stuff, the highly profitable companies, just because of their desire to be a positive force in society, you know, they should set aside hundreds of millions uh, to help uh, in these areas. Uh, it all comes back to this green premium. You know, if it's very, very high, uh, then you're, you've got a trade-off. 
and so that's why you know I, I really come back to innovation to drive those numbers down. In the case of the passenger car, you know, we clearly have uh, an expectation that in the next 15 years, the green premium will be zero because the battery costs will go down, the range will go up, the charge points will be pervasive and it'll be quick charging. And so that's why GM uh, can say, okay, in 2035, we're not going to make any gasoline cars. And politicians can say, uh, you know, we'll, we'll ban those. Uh, because this sacrifice, uh, because this category is, has uh, gotten the volume up and, and lots right. of innovation, uh, we, it will get to zero. But sadly, there's many other categories. If it was only for passenger cars, hey, uh, you know, we are in, in very, very good shape. But you have to have the electricity get to zero, manufacturing, aviation, uh, agriculture. So, uh you know, thank goodness we have one example uh, where uh, the the whole process uh, has gotten us uh, to, right. to a green result. Given the idea that ultimately regulation may be needed to get to the, 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 the final piece of this, what do you think about the role of business in politics? And, and the reason I ask is there's been a critique of companies like Microsoft, for example, uh, that have PAC money. Uh, that have been outspoken about issues on climate, that have made aggressive and ambitious targets around what they're doing, and yet, in certain cases, they've supported politicians uh, that have been on the other side of these issues. Well, you know, there's enough issues that uh, if you have a strong enough filter um, that you won't support back anybody who does this or that, then, you know, you're, you're probably not going to give any political donations at all. Uh, you know, waiting for the candidate who conforms to all uh, the views you have, say, on immigration or R&D or uh, uh, climate. Uh, and, you know, so companies have to make that assessment. The work to help drive forward innovation, you know, by it's really by being a customer. It's by sharing what's worked in the tech industry, uh, which is a lot easier uh, to innovate there than it is in the uh, physical economy. Um, you know, the government wants uh, to make progress in this. Biden has it as a a very high priority. And the worst thing would be if, you know, people care about this issue, should we have this goal, but 10 years from now, people can see that we're not really going to get the number down right. by much at all. So, you know, my book is about a plan that admits uh, how difficult this will be and ask people to remind go go see a cement plant go see a steel plant you know there's a lot that everyone takes for granted even thinking about tripling the size of the electric network to get the uh energy uh for things where we'll stop using hydrocarbons it's kind of mind-blowing uh what's involved you know where we're going to have to build way more every year uh than ever before What's the single most exciting technology that you think uh, businesses and investors should be putting their money towards right now? Well, a key point in the book is because of the breadth of admission sources, uh, climate change can't be solved by one single innovation. It's not like the pandemic where the vaccine uh, really is the miracle and allows us to see that the end is in sight there. 
you know, I do highlight a few things. You know, if we can make uh, green hydrogen super, super inexpensive, uh, that will help out. Uh, and, you know, we'll convert our pipelines to instead of sending natural gas, we'll be sending this green hydrogen around. A lot of activity there, but we don't know uh, will the price uh, come down to super, super low levels. Uh, that's one that um, it's great to see the, a lot of recovery money, both in Europe and the U.S., will go to pioneering projects uh, to see how cheap we can make it. I saw that you, you had said to the Wall Street Journal, uh, I'm only going to lose money on this stuff, uh, but that's not in short supply. Um, I, I, I reference that only because investors are thinking more and more about how to invest in climate and, and whether and what kind of returns they should or should not be expecting. Well, I have to say, you know, I, when I invested in Impossible Foods or Beyond Meat or QuantumScape, uh, you know, I was doing that just to help uh, their role in climate. Uh, now it looks like, you know, those will be three very successful companies. Uh, and so, you know, I'll have more money to put into the, the top areas of climate, uh, things like uh, cement and steel. Breakthrough Energy Ventures is in 40 companies, and so far, uh, you know, they're making progress, and uh, even though some will fail, it looks like we'll have, you know, quite a few successes there. And so um, you have to be willing to take high risk, uh, but if you do it in a tasteful way, the green economy uh, is going to have, you know, more than, more than one Tesla. Oh. Let me ask you about this, and, and this was a comment made by Governor Abbott in Texas, um, just on Fox News, uh, about uh, the, the crisis that's taking place right now in Texas. Uh, he said, this shows how the, the Green, Green New, New Deal, Deal would be a deadly deal for the United States of America. Uh, it just shows uh, that fossil fuel is necessary uh, for the state of Texas as well as other states. What do you think when you hear that? Well, there's actually a legitimate point in there. Uh, which is that having weather-dependent sources means that uh, you have to have a lot more transmission, uh, and Texas is kind of isolated, so they couldn't bring uh, much power in. Uh, we're using our open-source grid model to show how much transmission would have allowed Texas to get through this without any shutdowns. Actually, it's more their natural gas plants that have been affected by the cold weather than it is their wind, so he's got a... a the factual basis isn't totally correct there. But the idea that we expect reliability uh, from the electric grid and that we're going to have more strange weather conditions, and so really looking at those to understand is it nuclear, is it storage, how do we maintain reliability, that, right. that uh, is an is a important point. Do you think that nuclear power will ever be politically palatable again? Absolutely. You know, nuclear has actually been safer than any other source of generation. You know, coal plants, coal particulate, natural gas pipelines blowing up. You know, the deaths per unit of power on these other approaches are, are far higher. Uh, and the, the miracle is that, you know, I'm not even talking about the current generation of nuclear. There's a new generation that uh, solves the economics, which has been the big, big problem with nuclear, and at the same time, it revolutionizes the safety. And so, 
you know, the next five years, the U.S. government uh, is funding uh, demonstration projects, uh, one of which is Terra Power, and I, uh, it's 50% private money, primarily from me. So, you know, as we solve these engineering problems and cost problems, I hope people will be open-minded to see uh, how incredibly safe the next generation will be. You personally uh, divested of fossil fuel stocks as, as an investor. And there's a lot of debate in the investment community about whether to divest of fossil fuels. Uh, BlackRock seems to be pushing uh, in that direction, but not that far, and also suggesting that maybe you want to stay in certain fossil fuel companies, in part to actually push them forward into the right direction. How do you think about it? Well, fossil fuel companies have incredible ability to do big engineering projects. So it's whether it's putting nuclear waste super deep uh, so there's no issue or putting CO2 underground or figuring out how to make and move green hydrogen around. Uh, the capabilities of those companies can be applied in a, uh, a very positive way. I happen to divest my direct ownership of those things, but I don't claim that's going to reduce a single ton of emissions. Uh, reductions come from investment, not divestment. And certainly we're going to be using fossil fuels to get to work and, you know, to have the economy work. Uh, you know, we hope we can drive that demand down over uh, the next 30 years. So, you know, it's, I'm, I'm not, you know, saying everybody should divest. I'm pushing much more on the, you know, please invest right in the, the new approaches, particularly in the hard categories, which are the industrial areas that have gotten so little attention, uh, unlike, you know, electricity and passenger cars, which people are less than, you know, a third of the problem, right. and yet people don't know the rest of it. So much of the effort so far has been focused in the business world on buying carbon offsets. I know you apparently bought some carbon offsets for yourself personally. Uh, which I found fascinating. How much did you spend for yourself annually? Uh, I'll spend uh, over $7 million a year, uh, you know, and I'm paying, on average, uh, over $400 a ton. Uh, so people like Climeworks does direct air capture. People like World Energy provide aviation biofuels. Uh, I have projects where I fund using heat pumps instead of natural gas, uh, and I pay the upfront capital cost. Uh, for that. So a variety of things, uh, including, you know, electric cars, solar panels. Uh, and, you know, I hope as I purchase clean aviation fuel, that can be catalytic to growing that market, uh, driving innovation and competition, that same learning curve that has worked so well for solar and, and lithium ion batteries. Right. Um, question about cars and specifically Tesla. For a long time, it seemed uh, like you were a, a bit of a Tesla skeptic, dare I say. Uh, Elon Musk was recently on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he said that he had heard that you had shorted the stock of his own company. Explain to me what the f Bill Gates was talking about when he was saying that you can't do trucks. What, well, what was? Yeah, I didn't know what you're talking about. Why did he say that then? Like, why would someone? Probably somebody told him that, and you know, he's he just, just not, repeated it. He's just not that close to the physics of it, and. So I, I don't remember, think he's ill-intentioned here. He just right. doesn't know what he's talking about. But why say it then? I mean, you think about a guy who's so involved in technology, you would think you would only talk about things you understand. I don't know. It's weird. I also heard that at one point he had a big short position against Tesla, which was kind of, I don't know if that's true or not, but it seems weird. 
uh, people I know who know know the situation well, they they I said, "Are you sure?" They said, "Yeah, he had a big short, short position against Tesla, which obviously didn't work out too well." <laughs> um, but anyway, I I think he's generally got good intentions here. I think he's probably just not. Um, I don't hate Bill Gates to be clear. I think he just probably doesn't know the the science. True. I have I have nothing but praise for Tesla's con- role in. Uh, making the electric car a high-quality mainstream product. I think what Elon's done with Tesla is fantastic. Uh, it's you know, probably the biggest single contribution to showing us that electric cars are part of how we solve climate change. Uh, and now he's got a carbon removal challenge. Uh, so we need more Elon Musks. Uh, we need one for steel and cement and all the different categories. So, so you're not short Tesla stock, just so we're clear. Yeah, I'm not. I, I don't talk about my investments, but I think he should be very proud of what, what he's done. One of the other issues we've talked about, it's a lot in the news these days, is Bitcoin. I'm curious where you land on Bitcoin, but I'm also curious where you land on Bitcoin in the context of climate because of the enormous energy that it takes uh, to process. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't own Bitcoin. I'm not short Bitcoin. Uh you know, so I've taken a neutral view. I do think, you know, moving money into a more digital form uh, and getting transaction costs down, that's something our the Gates Foundation does in developing countries. Uh, but there we do it so that you can reverse the transactions, so you have total visibility of who's uh, doing what, so it's not about tax avoidance or illegal activity. Uh, but, you know, Bitcoin can go up and down, you know, just based on the mania or, or whatever the views are. And I, you know, I don't have a way of predicting uh, how that will progress. Um, the Biden administration announced it plans to invest uh, $1.6 billion to expand COVID testing. Uh, I know testing has been a huge issue uh, that you have been concerned about. And, and I'm curious whether you think that kind of plan will get us to the other side. Yeah, there's a lot of innovation in testing, and we're talking to the Biden administration about uh, some very efficient, uh, highly high-quality approaches uh, that it would be great to prove out uh, in this pandemic because they would be the ultimate solution if we get uh, a pandemic coming up in the future. And so, you know, the U.S. government's willingness to invest in the vaccines and in new innovative diagnostic approaches, uh, they, that's the one area uh, that even under the previous administration, the U.S. did better than any other country. And, and the last time we talked, uh, you made what I thought was a very provocative comment about business travel in the future uh, as almost a lesson about the pandemic, that maybe it would, it would be cut in half by 50 percent. I'm curious how you think about that now, but also in the context of climate. Do you think that businesses are going to say to themselves and to their employer employees, we're going to cut travel or limit travel because of climate issues or no? Well, I do think we're going to have a lot of air travel, uh, you know, as the world gets richer and just for vacations alone, which is the majority of travel. And so we've got to get some way of flying planes, uh, either by making green aviation fuel or switching over to green hydrogen. Uh, we've got to multiply by zero. Uh, we can't, you know, just cancel trips and get down to, to zero. Even just moving, you know, products around the world 
will still be an important part of the economy. So, yes, companies should uh, start buying green aviation fuel and help bootstrap uh, that market. But I don't see uh, reducing trips as a path where you get all the way uh, to zero. Uh, you know, if you just look at the developing countries, uh, every one of the activities that's emitting, they should do more of. They should build more shelter. They should have lights at night. They should have more air conditioning. Uh, and and so reducing consumption, although it's it's it can be a good thing, it's not the thing that gets you to zero. Uh, Dr. Fauci recently pushed back his expectation on how quickly uh, the vaccines would fully roll out by about a month. I was hoping that that would be by the end of April, namely have gone through all of the priorities and now say, OK, anyone can get it. That was predicated on J&J, the Johnson product, having a considerably more doses than now we know they're going to have. So that timeline will probably be prolonged maybe into mid to late May and early June. I'm curious if uh, you agree with that assessment and how you're thinking about new strains and the like and uh, whether our, our world really will be, at least in the United States, a lot better come fall. Well, the Gates Foundation funded all those South Africa studies uh, because we wanted data from Africa about safety, including in uh, people with HIV. It turned out that allowed us for three of the vaccines to see the effect of the variant. And so we could, you know, sequence all the, the breakthrough cases. And that's why the world understands that there is reduced efficacy, although Novavax and Johnson & Johnson still retain a lot of uh, capability against those variants. So it's a very dynamic situation in terms of you know, would a third dose potentially of a different vaccine uh, be enough of a boost to cover the variants, or do you need to tune that vaccine? There's a rich dialogue between our our foundation, Dr. Fauci, and the other government people right now about this variant strategy. The good news is, is that the factories in India that are very high volume, you know, they're making AstraZeneca, which is still very helpful in most countries. Uh, they're about to start making Johnson & Johnson and in a few months Novavax. So our strategy of bringing up capacity uh, by using global factories, you know, with no royalties, just uh, cooperative agreements, looks like it's going to make a huge difference and finally get vaccines into the developing countries, which is the only way you bring the pandemic to an end. Okay, a couple quick uh, questions about stuff in the headlines that I, I think you have a unique authority on. Uh, one is Facebook, because I know you advised Mark Zuckerberg uh, on building out this, this outside uh, board to help him with some of these free speech challenges. If you were on the board, would you allow President Trump back on social media? Well, I think at some point he probably will be allowed back on and probably should be allowed back on. Um, you know, it's weird when you're, you know, saying that the election was stolen without... Uh, any facts there and how uh, corrosive that is. Uh, but I'll bet they'll find a way to let him back on. You know, his stuff may be labeled uh, as false in a lot of cases. You know, in a way, his his people's interest in what he say says may go down quite a bit. Uh, that'll be interesting to watch. Um, the other Facebook question I was going to ask you is, Facebook now seems to be in its own battle of sorts with Apple. 
Uh, for many, many years, Microsoft was in a battle of sorts with Apple. Um, I'm curious what you think of it. Well, Microsoft has always had a uh, super positive relationship with Apple. You know, some things we conflicted on, but our applications are actually significantly the best-selling applications on the Mac. And even going back to the original Mac, we were the primary uh, software developer because we loved the, the great work uh, that Steve Jobs was doing there. Uh, there are issues about you know, their criteria for letting you into the store, how quickly they let you in, uh, that come up over time because that's the only way to get to their users. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm not aware of the specifics of the current uh, disagreements there. It, it's, it's mostly around the, the, the privacy issues that Apple is putting in place that are going to prevent advertisers from being able to target uh, users on Facebook, which, of course, is their core business. And so there is this interesting frenemy relationship. Yeah, it'll be interesting what Apple does on search as well, because, you know, that is also quite targeted. Uh, and then the other big headline um, this week is GameStop. There's this big hearing taking place. Uh, I'm curious, as you've watched the sort of social media-enabled trading mania happen, as somebody who's been watching uh, people come together online for a long time, what do you think it means long term? Is it transformational or not? Well, people enjoy gambling. Uh, and, you know, sadly, uh, you know, it's a zero-sum game. Uh, you know, the idea that you drive a valuation way, way beyond what uh, is rational, it's hard to see that societally is a good use of time. And, you know, the people who get in early get a windfall. The people who get in late feel like suckers. Uh, but, you know, how the disclosure rules should work now that you have, you know, Reddit forums where people have, you know, a reason to kind of push something and uh, get out at those high prices. You know, the SEC's got to look at this because, uh, you know, we don't think of the stock market as uh, just performing a casino-like role. We have, you know, restrictions on gambling activities. Uh, you know, so how do you take social media and, uh, you know, touting stocks? You know, this is reminds us of the 1930s to some degree. So, I, but I'm, one of the things that's so fascinating to me is it, it reminds me of the 1930s too, but it almost upends so many of the ideas that I had about investor protection because one of the things that, that this almost social and media enabled group of people are saying is we actually don't want your protection. Um, and in fact, not only do we not want your protection, we believe that your protection is actually protecting the other side. It's protecting the establishment. It's protecting the hedge funds and the like. Do you think there's been a, a reversal here? Well, I think, you know, if, if the general public uh, investor is uh, pitted against the hedge funds, over time the hedge funds uh, will come out ahead. You know, the fact that wild rumors uh, cause people who can't look at the sanity of the valuation uh, to lose money, you know, I, I'd really look at that individual investor, uh, I you know, that's what the SEC is there to protect. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be lots of stories of people who got up, caught up in the frenzy, uh, which really served no societal purpose. Uh, final question for you. Um, you've done enormous and remarkable work 
in the worlds of health and education and now climate. Um, if you had to bet, which do you think is going to have the most success the quickest at this point? When, when you look at the, the, the various things that, that you're investing in. Well, by far, the biggest impact is the uh, work of the Gates Foundation in health. Uh, you know, we, with our partners, uh, have gone from having 10 million children die every year under the age of five now to less than 5 million. The pandemic has pushed that back up, perhaps even to 6 million, but fairly quickly we're going to get those vaccinations back in place, uh, get the malaria bed nets out and get, you know, back on that decreased curve. And we you know, we see a path in the decades ahead to get that down to two million. Uh, so that's the biggest single thing. Uh, I hope that I get the climate field to think about a concrete plan. I hope that the breakthrough energy work, including both the investments and now some thoughts about buying uh, green products with Catalyst, I hope uh, that can make a big contribution. But it, uh, it it's hard to measure up against uh, what the global health field has done with uh, strong participation from our foundation. Bill Gates, thank you for the conversation. Congratulations on the book. It is absolutely a must read. Uh, thank you. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. And that's Squawk Pod for today. On our rundown tomorrow, Robin Hood goes to Washington. The latest from the House Financial Services Committee's hotly anticipated hearing, Game Stopped, with the CEOs of Robinhood, Reddit, Citadel, Melvin Capital, and more on the dramatic market impact of the Reddit rebellion. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. Subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks for listening. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.